Hi, folks. I want to introduce today this podcast episode. It's with Dr. Chuck Harding. I think it's his third time on the show, and I think this is probably our best show together yet. And uh, Chuck Harding's a missionary with uh, Mission to America, and uh, he works on Capitol Hill and really rubs shoulders with a lot of the elite politicians there in Washington. And uh, on this episode, he's going to talk about the talking points that Speaker of the House Mike Johnson brought in his first address to Congress. Uh, and uh, we talk about just some insights as far as our country and some very positive things uh, that are going on in the midst of all the turmoil and the tumult. Uh, and so enjoy this episode. We do want to let you know about our Expound Conference coming up, and that's going to be at our church on March the 18th and March the 19th, and we're going to have a registration for that conference coming up on our website. But we got uh, Dalton Robertson coming to teach, and then also uh, Brother James Knox, and it's going to be on a Monday night and all day on Tuesday. It's going to be a classroom setting. It's going to be about teaching and preaching the Word of God. Uh, it'll be um, a learning experience. It'll also be just it's a convicting uh, conference. I've been to two of those down in Alabama. I thought we'd bring them to the Northeast. And uh, so looking forward to that event. So again, it's going to be March 18th and 19th. And particularly you preachers out there, I encourage you to come. Uh, if you need some sort of accommodations for that, you can contact our church. And we, we do have a good deal on a hotel right down the street from uh, the church here, and uh, hope to hope to see you there. Hope to meet some of you guys that listen to the show, and um, and so I want to let let you know about that. So enjoy this podcast. God bless. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pastoral Thoughts Podcast. This is your host Jack Young, and today in our studio we have Doctor Chuck Harding with Mission to America, and he's on the podcast once again. I think it's your third time on. Amen. Well, he just dropped into town this week, out of the blue, on surprise, uh, and it preached December 31st, our New Year's Day celebration service, and um, it was a wonderful day. Praise the Lord. Thank you for being with us. Oh, it's a blessing, honor to be with you all, and thank you for the invitation. I know it was short notice, but uh, boy, it was sure a wonderful way to spend New Year's Eve and uh, to with you with your people and very sweet spirit in the church. And I, I really kind of liked that uh, big ham luncheon afterwards, yeah, too. That, <laughs> that helps with the spirit, you know. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. No, it was a good day. Very <laughs> thankful for it. Yeah, uh, yeah. you being here. Lord, use you. Amen. Uh, so, you. So what is Mission to America? Well, Mission to America basically is a five-premise ministry that um, I started <clears throat> years ago. Uh, this is the actual fourth ministry that I've started by God's grace for his glory. But it talks about getting educated. We need to know who we are. Now, we're not better than anyone else. But we're very unique in the world because our founding fathers said there is a God. And God gives us certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. So that makes us unique in the world. Not better, but unique. And it's all because of our, you might say, historical DNA. Mm -hmm. Uh, that our founders were men that believed in the Bible, that even though revisionist historians try to make them out as atheists, they were not. You can read from their own accounts and from men that were the contemporaries of them. But here's the problem. Today, we have not been educated. We've been indoctrinated. Revisionist historians have taken God out of his history. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I tell people all the time, where do we get our word history from? It's his story. God's interaction with man and man's reaction back to God. And so you take him out, of course, it's going to be boring. Mm -hmm. 
And so we see, you know, much like that fellow that was a senator, you know, and he was just reelected, and boy, he felt really, really good about his constituents, and they felt good about him. And everywhere he went, they recognized him. Oh, Mr. Center, so good to have you back, you know, for four more years, and thank you so much for your service. And, and so he was going by a nursing home. And he said, I know some of the elderly people, they voted for me too, so let's stop in there and thank some of these elderly folks. And we walked in, there was a patient right by the nursing station, again, feeling very affable and knowing everyone was recognizing him. He walked up to this patient and said, oh, you know who I am? She said, oh, honey, don't worry about that. (laughs) Ask the nurse, she'll tell you who you are. (laughs) (laughs) When he started saying that, I was like, oh, I know where this is going. Yeah. You go ask that nurse behind the desk. She'll <laughs> yeah. tell you who you yeah. are. <laughs> so that's that's like we yeah. are we are suffering from a national dementia. Mm-hmm. I call them yes. I call America's Alzheimer's. Yeah. And we don't know who we are. We don't know that we have the greatest nation in modern history. Yeah. That in, in a country is an idea. It is. It, it's a belief that the people hold to. Yes. And it's, so it's like with the word of God. Uh, there's three ways to change the word of God. You add to it, yeah. you you take away from it, right? or you redefine terms. Yeah, there you go. And that's what's going on today. I, on, all, on all fronts. <sighs> on every level possible. Mm-hmm. They're redefining terms. And that's very dangerous because the terms set should be unmovable. Our Constitution is not a living document. Mm-hmm. It's a document set in stone. Mm-hmm. It's a document of law. And that is, again, what makes us so unique that we have the longest ongoing constitutional republic in the history of mankind. And we have a constitution that's the shortest in its verbiage, but the longest in its, you know, creating that experiment in liberty, so, that so idea the, like you were talking so about. So for the folks listening, what does it mean to interpret the Constitution as a living document, not a dead document? Yeah, a living document in that, oh, you can change it, and uh, this it doesn't mean this. And, and even there have been some people that have been so completely uh, out of line where they say, well, uh, John Adams didn't mean that when he wrote the Constitution. What do you mean he didn't? Uh, did you know him? You know, his journals all reflect the fact that he said exactly, he was one of the three mm-hmm. editors. It was Ben Franklin, it was Thomas Jefferson, uh, and then uh, John Adams, mm-hmm. you know. And we're talking, so, yeah. So so um, people that would interpret the Constitution as a living document would have a, what you would call a progressive mindset, oh, yeah. meaning that mankind is progressing past where it used to be, like getting back better understanding things better um therefore in people liberal uh, um theologians yeah preachers yeah. interpret the bible the same way same way and, uh, but here's so, so when paul writes um you know defining the role of a pastor or role of a deacon or even uh, the you know um certain sins in the bible yeah um because you you wonder how um Many of the churches in town could have a, a rainbow flag out front. Um, how the Pope could now tell um, Catholic priests that they can bless same-sex unions. Yeah. So the Pope obviously interprets the Bible as a living document. Sure. Because the document does not send. So what, what does it mean to interpret the Constitution literally, and then we're comparing it to the Scripture, interpret the Bible literally as well? Well, you take it at face value. You take it at the original intent. 
Mm. What was the intent? What was the intent of the Bible? The Bible, of course, was written through and by men, but inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. And so the Bible has a set standard of truth. It's not something that we can take what we want and leave the rest. It's not a sporkishbork. Mm -hmm. No, the, no the, the Bible, that's why there's so many different versions or perversions, as I would say, mm -hmm. aside from the King James, which I believe is the preserved document for the English-speaking peoples. And that, of course, is a whole other discussion. And so it's a legal <clears throat> document. It needs to be precise. So we would interpret the Bible by who was writing it, who, did, who was it written to, and what did it mean to the recipient of the document. Yes. And so, so the original intent is the intent. And then also, you know, you and I, uh, mankind, mankind might um, move forward like technologically. Yeah. But they're not progressing as a people. We're just finding out better ways to kill each other. Exactly. Um, so you might take a guy who is in a horse and buggy. He's going five miles an hour down a road. Now, you, you know, you're going 75 miles down the same thoroughfare. You're just moving faster. Exactly. But you still have the same heart problems. Yeah. Um, so mankind doesn't change. God doesn't change. The laws of the universe do not change. Exactly. And the same way with the laws of government, mm -hmm. because our Constitution has over 20 biblical principles. So if these principles are true principles, they were true back when the documents were written. Yes. They're still true today. Still true today. Mm -hmm. It says in the Bible, things are going to wax worse and worse. We're not getting better. Mm -hmm. We're getting worse. Mm -hmm. Society's getting worse. And that's why we need that standard. That's why we need that standard, which is the word of God, first and foremost. And then the Constitution, civilly, that gives us you know, the civil liberty. We have the soul liberty, the spiritual liberty in God and the Bible and the salvation of his son, Jesus Christ, and, of course, the comfort of the Holy Spirit of God. But then we also have civil liberty also based upon the Bible. Uh, for instance, uh, in our document, it basically talks about the immigration. Now, what's immigration based upon? Well, guess what? You can come here to America, become an American. You can't go to Spain and be a Spaniard. Can't go to France and be a Frenchman. Can't even go to Great Britain and be a Brit. You always be a Yank. Mm -hmm. But you can come here legally, mm -hmm. and you learn the language, and you say you're going to uphold the Constitution, and you're an American, period, the end of story. Why? Well, because God told the children of Israel, the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be as one born among you, and thou shalt love him as thyself. So that concept of people coming to Israel, becoming uh, a citizen of Israel, and in every way, if shape and form, mm -hmm. uh, that's what you can do here in America as well. And that's what makes the Constitution. In the same concept which Israel was born by, because God brought them to himself, and then immediately um, they came, they became in the wilderness, they went from being a family right. to being a nation. Yes. They became a nation when they adopted God's laws. Yes. And, and so it was a we the people moment. We were talking about this. I'm reading a book by this uh, fellow, Oz Guinness. Yeah. And um, it, it's called the Magna Carta of, of, uh, of America, I believe it's called. And, um, but Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments, and the people, it says, we the people. Yeah. All the people said, all that the Lord says, we, we will, will do. do. Yeah. So there's that common mind, that common meeting place. The meeting place for the nation of Israel was the Word of God. Exactly. And um, 
you and I believe that when America was founded, um, that the overwhelming uh, majority of the people wanted to adopt the principles of God's word. And the word of God was, it was like a Mount Sinai moment. It was. Um, there at the Declaration of Independence and then also at the giving of the Constitution. Exactly. And, and here's what we have to say. We must know this. We must know our Constitution. We must have a, a working knowledge of the Constitution of the United States. So you say, well, why? I thought that was the government's job. We are the government. Mm. It is we the people. We the Just, people. Yeah. It's not them. It's not them, the government. They represent the government. We are the government. Mm-hmm. But that's the big problem in America today. I mean, huge. Millions upon millions, hundreds of millions of people in America. 330 million. Mm-hmm. Okay. But hundreds of people, hundreds of millions of people think, oh, that's the government job. We're going to elect them, and then we're just going to let... No, 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 no. That's they what represent they do. That's the what they people. do in nations with monarchies. Exactly. That's this is not a monarchy. This is right. a nation by the people and for the people. For years, man was looking for a power that was distributed amongst the people. Mm-hmm. Because most of the history of mankind, it's always been power in the hands of a few. And some of our early presidents said, well, this is an amazing thing. It's an experiment in liberty. As we've talked about, it's a concept that if we don't once again get educated about and then know what we need to do once we get educated, then we're going to lose it. Mm -hmm. And our children are not going to grow up in the same Mm -hmm. nation that we grew up in. So the premise of Mission to America is, first of all, let's get educated. Let's let's know who we are. We're not subjects. We're citizens. Christian nations have been literate people groups. Yes, exactly. That's the first thing what missionaries do when they go into indigenous people. If they don't know how to read, they teach them how to read. Exactly. You need to educate yourself with God's word, and then the American people need to educate themselves about government. Exactly. Because that's their duty as a citizen. Our founding fathers said, only an educated people will be and remain a free people. That's all. So getting educated is so very important. Washington said what key academic is more important than to educate the next generation in the tenets of liberty. They they are going to be the guardians. What are we doing? We see our public education system doing anything but that. Mm -hmm. They don't even teach uh, government. They don't even teach the Constitution anymore. used to have to by the eighth grade, you used to have to memorize large portions of the Constitution, preamble, all the rest of it. Not anymore. But once we get educated, then we need to get engaged. Mm-hmm. We, when we get engaged, it's talking about staying in touch with your congressman, your senator, a, your mayor, uh, going to city council meetings. You say, well, I don't have time. You don't have time not to. Mm-hmm. Right. I, we've got to, you know, 60 seconds is what it takes to make a phone call to a United States senator. I have been in their offices as I am just right outside of Washington, D.C. and going to their offices on a weekly basis. And I've heard them tell me face-to-face that one phone call from one of their constituents equals 10,000 in their mind. Mm-hmm. One to 10,000. Mm-hmm. Well, what if they get 1,000? Do the math. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And But how many people call? Oh, really, we don't get much more than and, and, eight, eight or nine. And that's why they figure one phone call is 10,000 people. Yeah. Because 10,000 people will be agitated about something or want or for something, but they don't make that phone call. So Christians would make that free phone call. Yeah. Doesn't cost anything. Doesn't cost anything. 60 seconds. And some staffer there in the building is going to have a legal notepad. They're going to write your name down, what uh, you request. And um, at least the the cat, what do they call the, their 
chief of staff, chief of staff is is at least going to look at that. Well, and if there was like you know a whole church that called about an issue, and you had fifteen twenty people even call, yeah, I mean the senator oh, is going to hear about it. It takes ten people for them to really start running up the red flag mm-hmm. of alert, and the chief of staff will always tell his boss, oh, "You've received ten calls, fifteen calls." 20 calls. You've received 150 calls on this. True story. Two representatives walking to a vote. One guy says to the other, true story. I got your vote on this, right? And then I'm going to vote for your bill tomorrow. No, I can't vote with you on this. Well, wait a minute. I thought we had this uh, all planned and, and settled. Why can't you vote for me? Well, I got eight phone calls today. Mm. Eight phone calls. So my constituents are up in arms. Eight and times 10,000? Yeah, this <clears> is a U.S senator exactly yeah so i mean that's who, those who represents maybe millions and millions and millions exactly. and millions of people exactly you know how effective it is for me to walk in with pastors into these offices state by state week after week and pray with them i you can't even imagine mm-hmm. the ripples the effects mm-hmm. that this happens over and over and over again mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, week after week, and every single time, these men and women, they're moved. You can visibly see it. Sometimes their their eyes glisten a little bit, you know? Yes. You yeah, can, yeah. It, you, is, it oh. is absolutely incredible, the spiritual vibe you fill up on Capitol Hill. Oh, yeah. And um, people have a sensitivity towards spiritual things. Now, we're from the state of New York, and um, last time we were there for Awake America, yeah. Uh, we went into AOC's office, and yeah. um, of course, she didn't represent us. We're upstate, yeah. praise God. Yeah. Um, but we went to her office, yeah. and there, you know, all these little, you know hippie girls or whatever working for AOC, dream job, right? For some, right. for oh, some, yeah. you know, a liberal girl out of college, you know, strong ideologies about life and everything, working yeah. for, you know, her on the hill. And so we we uh, delivered the gift, whatever that was, or some sort of Bible or something. Uh, actually, you can't say gift. Whatever it was, the presentation. The presentation. This is a presentation for the congresswoman. Yeah. And uh, we would like to pray for the congresswoman and pray with you. Uh, and just pray f- with you for up here. And we're like, oh, yes, yes, please pray for us. And, um, Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the different, yeah, just the different congressmen, yeah. they, they really want you to pray up there. There's a spiritual vacuum. We would have not had a country. Had it not been for pastors that preached into our founding fathers, these biblical truths that it's your responsibility, your duty to stand up against tyranny, King George III is not following his own laws. And in the Bible, rebellion to tyranny is obedience to God Almighty. And had the pastors not been the moral force that moved these men, that were growing up under their tutelage, and many of those pastors, not taking license from the state-run church, preached under the threat of life. Mm-hmm. If they had been caught, as many of them were, mm-hmm. they could have been jailed, whipped to death, hung, drawn and quartered. I mean, a lot of them were tortured to death because you couldn't preach with a license without a license from the from the Church of England. Mm-hmm. But they were doing it. They were, and many of them were Baptist, Baptistic people, and uh, and but they were all people that had a biblical stand. They were not going to be told what to preach. They were not going to get a license to preach God's word. Can you imagine how many people would not be? How many men of God would not be coming to the pulpit 
if it was under a life threat today? Uh, well, I, I could tell you just from people's reaction at, from COVID. Yeah. I mean, just a little bit of threat oh. from the government. Man, oh. they, they cave like in you know, nobody's business. Yeah, they would. They would. Yeah. But it was those men. And, and then there would be <laughs> some. It's, uh, you know, well, yeah. it's, it's old Russian proverb, you know, where uh, uh, a little church is meeting and secretively and uh, someone comes in the back of the door and he's got a uh, he's got a uh, gun well he's got you know KJ uh, K- uh, KGB no 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 Just, wh- who's the Russian police oh yeah the K- KGB yeah KGB yeah yeah I was like, it's Gestapo or KGB? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> KGB. They're, they're actually and, and called something else now, but KGB is definitely what everyone right, knows them as. Right. Yeah. And so whoever does not does not want to die, leave this, uh, die for your faith, leave right now. Yeah. And so like, you know, four or five people leave. Yeah. And then he sets his weapon down and says, okay, we can have church now. Isn't that something? And so, you know, the persecution yeah. usually makes for uh, It weeds those people yes. out that really yes. are not sincere. And tenacious about their faith, but you know, hey, that's even biblical. Mm-hmm. Where Aaron and her, like I actually preached on today in Sunday school, they were the men of God. They held Moses's hands up, who was the leader, so that the battle against Amalekite, the Amalekites, could be won. So, e- so even secular historians would agree that uh, really what started the revolution was the Great Awakening. Wouldn't you agree with that, the secular historians? If they are honest academics, yes, definitely. And that's always been reported. I mean, up to, you know. So you have George Whitfield, which I've read as high as 80% of the colonists heard with their own ears. Yes, yes. Let alone read, and his printer was Benjamin Franklin. Yep. And Benjamin Franklin in his autobiography says that he couldn't walk by a house where they weren't singing a psalm. Yes. Or a hymn. Inside the home. Yeah. And he said, you know, it was beautiful. It was Ben Franklin. Now, you know, Ben's one of our more liberal founding fathers when he looked at his life. But he also, I think, came to a realization that he needed to accept the Lord as Savior because on his tombstone that he would always write things cryptically. He would say, don't judge this old book by its cover because this corruption has gone to put on incorruption for I have now gone to meet the author. You know, he... I'd hope that, yeah. I, yeah we, I think we're we'll going to be surprised <laughs> who's in heaven <laughs> yeah. and who's not when, yeah. when we get there. How about the Thomases? You know, you get th- the doubting Thomases. You have Thomas Paine. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. I can't think of the third Thomas. No, Thomas Paine, Thomas Paine was truly, by his own admission... An infidel, and mm-hmm. the founders wouldn't even let him be buried. Let his remains be buried inside of a churchyard. Yeah. Now he had some uh, amazing thoughts, but and now Thomas Jefferson, he's rather an enigma. Uh, I've uh, yeah. been, you know, he he took out all the divinity of Christ in the first four gospels right. because yeah, he yeah. said, "You have a copy of those gospels." Uh, well, I know, I, know, my, I know my parents do. I don't have one, but it's the Jefferson Gospels, and all the miracles of Christ have been taken, taken out. Taken out, and he thought it'd be that would be a good book way, for school children. And, and he thought it'd be a good way to introduce to the Native Americans that Christ was a good person, mm-hmm. and then bring divinity in afterwards. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I'm sure he's sincere, but he's sincerely wrong, <laughs> right. obviously. But you know, you can't. Uh, now he went. He opened up the Capitol building. Yeah. 
for church services every single Sunday, which he himself attended. He did. He attended Baptist churches. And, and he let churches have services in the Capitol in the Capitol on Sunday. Exactly. Yeah. And he said the Baptist church government is a perfect uh, design for our fledgling nation's government. And he was a close friend of Baptist. Very much. Um, okay. So here's just... There is, um, so Thomas Jefferson and John Adams die on the same day. Right. And what, 50 day, years, what day was that? 50 years to the day of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. 50 and, years and to the day. And didn't James Madison die 25 years on the 4th of July? He was, yeah. he was. I think it was twenty on the 25th anniversary of the government. He died on the 4th of July. Well, you know. And, and he was the pen for the Constitution. Yeah, he was. And he was. also he was the, um, he wrote the Bill of Rights as well. I, I just think that stuff is fascinating. Well, the, the last words of John Adams were Jefferson lives. Yeah, yeah Jefferson yet lives, <laughs> but he had already died. <laughs> but, you so, know, they, yeah. they were enemies and they were friends. friends yeah. And, the and they made a pact. Let's yeah. live to see the 50th anniversary. And isn't it amazing that they live to the day? I mean, it, that's, that's almost you know, spooky. I, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. 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 That's, that's something that you have a God appointed. I think even, you know, uh, you know, I'm not a Calvinist, but I definitely believe in the, the sovereign hand of God. Oh, and yeah. then he, he chooses how you're going to die and when you're going to die. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's, it's just radical that, you know, James Madison dies on the 4th of July that uh, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson both die on the 50th. That's something. So one, yeah, one dies on the quarter, the other dies on the yeah. bicentennial or whatever that would be the fifth yeah, the 50th year anyway. Yeah. of the country. Yeah. And it's interesting to me the declaration was the grievances. The constitution filled in all the grievances. Mm -hmm. So it was the answer to the Declaration. That's why they've been ratified into one document now. So whenever you see the Constitution, it always includes the Declaration of Independence. Mm -hmm. And it goes to what we were talking initially about being educated because the last amendment to the Constitution was put in by a teenager doing homework and realizing that, hey, they had passed um, a bill that they should never vote their own raise. And he got that and brought it to his legislator and it was an election year. So he took some, you know, some run with that. And uh, that was the last amendment by a teenager doing his homework. Mm -hmm. Now, what would happen if a lot of adults start doing their homework and started really getting into the constitution and understanding what it meant and then being able to take it and put it into practice. That's what I talk about when I say get educated, then get engaged and to know what we're doing, to know what we can do, address, redress our grievances, and know what the Bill of Rights is talking about like we talked. And the only reason why James Madison wrote the Bill of Rights was because of John Leland, the preacher, the right. Baptist preacher from Virginia. Mm -hmm. And then he not only told him, look, <clears throat> if I get the Baptist behind you, you'll go to Congress. And then he went himself to make sure that Madison was going to do what he mm -hmm. told him to do up in the balcony, looking at him to uh, ensure that he was going to follow through with the Bill of Rights because the Baptists have always been fiercely independent and not wanting anyone to tell them what to do, much like the Danbury letter that Jefferson wrote the Baptist about, you know, the wall. 
mm-hmm. that keeps the state out of the church. And then he goes and tells the Baptist, but I'm convinced this will not preclude you from your social duties. So what does that mean? You need to They're stay supposed out. to be in government. They're supposed to be in government. The government's government supposed to stay out of the church. But the people of the church never supposed to stay out of the government. Right. And if you right. read the Danbury Baptist mm-hmm. letter from Jefferson, that's exactly what it says. You can't misconstrue it if you are honest. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah. if, and Mission to America is getting educated, getting engaged, and then entreating God's mercy. Because, of course, <laughs> if God wanted to, he could destroy us today. Mm-hmm. and be well within mm-hmm. justifiable reasons why. I mean, over 60 million babies murdered, and I know Roe v. Wade has been overturned. When I was talking about that years ago, saying uh, two years ago, oh, you know, guys were looking at me cross-eyed. Nobody believed that. No one believed it. I no, was saying nothing. I wouldn't have believed you either. Yeah, well, I told I told you here. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't believe it, so I, I even said it, yeah. So, but, uh, you know, now, now it's done, but... It's, it didn't go far enough because it's given back to the states, so it still goes on. Mm-hmm. Now, there's 29 states right now that you can't have an abortion in, mm-hmm. 29 states. And, uh, uh, but that's, uh, and I said it'd be about 30 almost immediately, and here we are at 29. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the last, it's just a battle. It's a constant battle, but 60-plus million citizens. Think about if those people had lived, married, and the technological advances, the medical advances, uh, the amazing things that we would have seen in our country. I remember years ago when abortion stir- really started stirring mm-hmm. things up and there was a doctor being uh, basically questioned about his stand on abortion. And he gave a scenario to these doctors on, on this board. Okay, this is an unmarried woman and she's a prostitute, and she's had venereal disease, and most likely this child's going to be born with some kind of defects, and they uh, unanimously said abort him. It's they, like Beethoven. It was, Be- it was Beethoven. <laughs> yeah. He said, you've just deprived the world of some of his greatest music mm-hmm. from Ludwig von Beethoven. Th- congratulations, man. Yeah, those lists are amazing. They, they are. And um, and that's where liberty gets perverted. Yes. Is to where um, it's supposed to be by the people and for the people. Right. And those unborn babies, those are people. Those are people. Yeah. Those are people. God calls them people. Mm-hmm. They're not fetuses. I mean, God even names babies when they're still in the room. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you? That's how God considers right. it. But, you know, when we look at that, we understand that God says, I do not pardon the shedding of innocent blood. No. It's so we need to ask God for mercy. That's entreating God. Mm-hmm. Please, Lord, be merciful. You were mentioning this morning, it was a phenomenal uh, message on growing closer to the Lord. Yes. And you gave several uh, illustrations about the founding of our nation and, the, you know, the Parson Brigade. And uh, then John Gano, um, who is George Washington's chaplain. Right. And uh, how that these men led it in in prayer, in battle, yes, they led in prayer, yes, and our uh, our country was birthed in prayer. Oh my, such a huge part of our nation. And you, you can see also uh, presidents like Abraham Lincoln. Again, I you know I hope to see him in heaven. I don't you know don't know. Yes. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but he would proclaim national days of fasting and prayer. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the first books I co-authored, uh, the prayers that shaped America, was. Uh, just an amazing um, labor of love. And uh, there's a huge amount of my years of study in there. And, uh, but right from the very beginning, I mean, I stood where the pilgrims prayed, where they got on the speed well and opened up the Bible 
And it, that's the embarkation, the painting of the embarkations hangs in our nation's capital, the rotunda of the nation's capital. And they're praying before mm-hmm. they embark. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, we're doing this by the will of God. Then when they get here, they pray. And they're praying. It's, it's a constant purpose of prayer all the way through our country. Our country was birthed in prayer. And that's something that we need to make much of again today mm-hmm. in treating God's mercy upon our country. Now, the fourth thing then is to encourage others to do the same. That's what we're doing right right now. We encourage others mm-hmm. to get to where they need to be educated, engaged in prayer, treating God's mercy, and then to encourage others. Why? Because those four things are done so we can do the most important thing that always comes back to the cross, evangelize the lost. Mm-hmm. We have a country that our Pilgrim forefathers said when they landed in Plymouth, we are doing this by the will of God for the advancement of the Christian faith. God gave us this country, number one, to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And number two, in my opinion, by our document, to protect the nation of Israel. Mm -hmm. And so very, very important. That's the five premise of Mission to America. Amen. And uh, Hey, so the last one's encourage. And Sunday school hour, you're very, you're very encouraging to the people. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people are discouraged right now. Oh, yeah. With the state are. of the nation. Oh, yeah. So you, you have any uh, encouraging things that you, you see in Washington that you don't see on the news? Yeah, and this is it. And I showed photographs today. And uh, every single photograph, you see that congressman or that congresswoman, that senator, with a big smile on their face, with us praying with them on their knees in their offices, we had one congressman that uh, I wasn't even going uh, going to go in and, and visit, but he heard he heard me, and he came out of his office. This was like seven o'clock at night, and said, "Hey, I thought that was you. Come on in here, brother." He calls me brother. That's that's pretty good, and uh, so we prayed with him. He got down on his knees, and and wept for our country. A United States congressman on his knees in his office at at seven seven thirty eight o'clock at night weeping for our country. A lot of people don't see that. And these people such as uh, Ryan Zinke, who was the former commander of SEAL Team 6 that took out Osama bin Laden, he said, you know, I'm so excited to be in the fight because I know what God can do with a few people, how he's changed nations with just very few people. And God even says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 9, except for that very small remnant. Mm-hmm. We would have been a Sodom. We would have been like as Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. And so God can use that little remnant, that small remnant. And these people in Washington, D.C., they get that. And where they're praying for them, and they are just, you, you can see it, they're electric. They are so motivated, and they're being persecuted every day. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what it is to be persecuted compared to them. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. It's just amazing to me. And so I'm very thankful, and a lot of times people say, well, do you think that God still wants to do something with our country. I said, well, yeah, I, I do. Well, well, why do you think that? Well, because of who was just elected to be the Speaker of the House, Mike mm-hmm. Johnson. I mean, to have that man who is a member of the Freedom Caucus, a born-again Baptist, elected unanimously by the Republican Party, that's just a miracle as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And I was there with guys from New York and as they were coming in and out of that room where they were deliberating on who was going to be the next speaker, I kept on shaking this guy's hand, that guy's hand. Hey, we're praying for you. Oh, and the response was over and over again, 
Thank you, brother. Mm-hmm. Thank you, brother. Mm-hmm. These are congressmen, yeah. congresswomen. And so they're going in. In my, in my heart, I truly believe, because the halls were filled with news reporters, when they went into the room, I truly believe some of them said, it's not just reporters out there. There are preachers. There are pastors out there that are praying for us. We need to do something different. And we prayed. We went outside of the office building, that congressional office building, and prayed, Lord, would you allow your Holy Spirit to enter into that deliberation with that spirit of reconciliation that he entered into Mm -hmm. when they were arguing about the Constitution of the United States and bring them together? Well, we found out later on that night, Mike Johnson. (laughs) I said, well, I, I know there's people praying all over America, but we're praying right there. And it's good to be there. It's powerful to be there. And then, of course, the next day we were back on the hill, and he was up to 200, 217. That meant he had won. And when it hit 217, you could hear the cheers erupting everywhere. Wow. Within offices. It was just such a pivotal moment. And then, of course, we watched. We were on Capitol Hill and walk up to the speaker's roster with the Bible in his hand. I've never seen that in my life. Mm-hmm. I've never seen the Speaker of the House walk up to the rostrum with his Bible and then set it down next so people could see that it was a Bible. Amazing. And then he talks about the core principles uh, of our country, which I don't know how much time we have. but no, like we to, got time, man. Okay. Let's talk about the core, pr- the core principles yeah. of our country. Yeah, and, you know, he was, and I've, and I've heard him speak in person, and uh, I'm getting pastors together to go pray with them soon. He speaks with great authority and yet great humility as well. And he said to the left wing, he said, no, we welcome you to work with us for our country, but we will not back down, back off, or back out of any of our core principles. And I'd just like to share them with you right now. Let's do it. <laughs> and so the first one he talked about was individual freedom. And I like that because that means we, the people, that means it's not a collective. That's that's uh, communism, socialism. Mm-hmm. That's the collective. No, right. no. In our country, as we were talking about last night, yeah, it, it is the individual, right? The individual freedom. And I gave you that uh, so that scenario about the Mayo Clinic. And, and this is a <clears throat> this is a complete different philosophy than I remember when Barack Obama was in office and people a few times people said something about salvation. Yeah, and he said. I'm interested in corporate salvation, not individual salvation. There you go. Yeah, there you go. And that is the, the collective. That's so what's collective. good for the whole? Yeah. Uh, and you see that mindset in all the communist revolutions. You do. Whether, you know, it's it's Mao or yeah. uh, Stalin or any of these. It's the collective. Even in France. It, they would say. Liberté, fraternité. Right. You know, that's that's union. That's Soviet. Mm-hmm. It's another name for collective Soviet. So it's not the individual that counts, it's the whole. And uh, we're talking... And, and that's even true of Nazism, too, yeah, because it, yeah. it was for the collective. It was for the collective. Mm-hmm. And But isn't it wonderful that one of our basic core principles is the individual counts. Mm-hmm. The individual counts. And uh, we're talking about the Mayo Clinic and how that changed medical uh, technology and how it changed the medical approach because back in those days, before the Mayo Clinic really started... Most hospitals, you would go to die. Mm-hmm. That's where you went to die. It's not where you went to get better. You went to die in a hospital. But then they looked at the Bible, and they said, no, 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 no. We need to heal people. We need right. to look at the individual. 
it's not just a collective amount it, of people. It's for healing, not it's, just yeah, not keeping them making comfortable till they die. Yeah, let's start looking at the individual and dealing with the individual. And for the first time, people started going to the hospital and coming back out and living a long life. Mm-hmm. And so the Mayo Clinic still is very much on the cutting edge of medical technology. They use music, they use prayer, faith, and nothing basically with with uh, within boundaries is is out of boundary with the Mayo Clinic. Why? Because they know that there's a great amount of information and good that people and, can get individually. And it's the sacredness of the individual life exactly. as well. That's right. So that's a Christian mindset. Each and, individual and, and life. And that's why most hospitals are Christian, Baptist hospital, right. Methodist, Methodist hospital, hospital exactly. St. Anne's this, St. Yeah. You know this. Yeah, because um, it was all faith-based. That's what made the difference. Yes. And it happened here. Mm-hmm. Happened here in America. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen anywhere else. And it's through individuals' monies yeah. who um, who earned their own money, and then they personally gave it towards these institutions that uh, honor the sacredness of every life. Isn't that something? Yeah. Yeah, and, and we forgot about that. Mm-hmm. We forgot about it when we allowed the seven out of nine elected jurists on the Supreme Court to say that life doesn't begin at conception but at birth. We should have never let that happen. Mm -hmm. And we could have taken that from them by what is called the exemptions clause in the Constitution, exempt from them. No, you you can't even go there. Those are unalienable rights. You know what that means? The Supreme Court, the President, the Congress can't touch it. God has given Mm -hmm. us life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Those things you can't touch, but we've allowed it. And why? I'll tell you why. Because we haven't known the Constitution that's based upon the Bible and how much power we have as the people. Mm -hmm. So we must get back to that individual freedom concept. And we do that through, of course, knowing and then doing something with that knowledge. Second thing is limited government. You know, I, I don't know why people want bigger government. No one should ever want a bigger government. A government should not give equal things. Government should give equal rights. Level playing field. Some people are going to have that entrepreneurial spirit, become very wealthy. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the story of America. People coming here with, with uh, just a couple of pennies rubbing together, and they become a multimillionaire. I mean, we've seen that over and over and over again. How do they do that? They do that by using biblical principles in a nation that's biblically based. And... and um and take and taking care of the poor was the individual's responsibility. Yep. Taking care of your own household was part of the individual's personality um, responsibility. And uh, you look at the context of Scripture, for instance, like the children of Israel, the margins of their fields they were not allowed to harvest. Right. And so if you say someone's on the margins, <laughs> that means they they're going out around the corners of the field and then they're harvesting. The, the poor person's wheat, right? You know, the care for the stranger—that's right. a—that's an Old Testament principle. It's carried on to the New Testament, right. and then also you have the home. Um, a lot of times you'd have three generations in the same home because everybody's taking care of each other. Yeah, yeah, family, and, family, right? And you, and so the government doesn't need to be overreaching into these other institutions. The church being one of them, and then the home being another. Definitely. And this is what, again, people don't understand. There's three institutions that God's ordained. Family first, Mm -hmm. government second, church third. But what people don't get is the government is never neutral. They'll either protect and promote the traditional family in the church, 
or they'll prosecute and punish the traditional family and church. It's mm-hmm. all in how we stay engaged right. in, and educated with our government. And that comes back to that limited government. We don't, we shouldn't want the government doing anything that we can do for ourselves. I mean, free stuff. Oh, I get free stuff. And you see these people clamoring all the time, free stuff. Uh, because every time you get free stuff, you have to give freedom for free stuff. Sure. And that's the difference between our society, or at least it has been, and societies over in Europe. Oh, they want this. They and, want this. No, and, we don't and, want this. And nothing's free. And then all the all the money. I mean, I, I took it. They were giving it out uh, during 2020, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, every kid, you know, every kid you had, I think, got a couple thousand dollars or something like that. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I got a real nice TV and something. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember. I can't remember what we spent on. But uh, but anyway, uh, we we paid for it in inflation, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're paying for it right now. You're paying for it now. Mm -hmm. And so are your grandchildren. Mm -hmm. That's right. But Ben Franklin said something very interesting. He said, they that can give up essential liberty for the perceived safety of government handouts deserve neither liberty nor safety. Right. Very, very wise. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to... T- but that, again, is we n- must limit government. All these bureaucracies are not constitutional, but that's, again, a whole other story. Third thing is the rule of law. We are a country of laws. There is such a thing as legal and illegal. Illegal aliens should have no rights whatsoever. Now they changed it. Oh, now it's undocumented. No, it's not undocumented. It's illegal. Right. Sorry. Those people that come here for a better life, if they don't come here legally, they will destroy what they're coming to get mm-hmm. simply by doing it illegally. We are a land of law, and we need to understand that. That's the difference between a republic and a democracy. A democracy is where social order is sacrificed for self-interest. Right. We are the people, but we're tempered by the rule of law, okay? So we have rights, but rights within parameters of the Constitution. And a lot of times people say, well, did Israel have a Constitution? Well, they did, 613 commandments. 248 of them were personal and positive. Mm -hmm. Now, I think it's very interesting because 248 is the number of the bones in the body. And right. so God does make mistakes. And then right. the second amount that makes up that 613 is 365, the days in a solar year. Yeah. And those were the thou shalt not. So when you get around society, you don't do this. Thou shalt not do that. Thou shalt not do this. So there was positive and negative mm-hmm. there. And they followed those. With If they didn't follow those, then things happened. There were replications, there were punishments, and if the nation stopped following those things, then there was great destruction where the nation of Israel went into captivity over and over and over again. You know, it's almost like, oh, don't do this again. You see that cycle over Mm. and over and over again. Right. So, you know. Right now we have a time of chaos. Yes. In this country. Yeah. And like you said, it's to bring about a certain end, a certain goal. Yeah, it is. It's not so, done. So we have chaos in the home. We have chaos yeah. in you know the border. We have chaos in the in the town and for and you know enforcing laws. Some people saying, "Oh, that's it's just stupidity." No, it is by design. Yes, for for the demise of our country. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not because of a lack of leadership. Um, also, it's, the sexual revolution. Uh, I read a good book. I can't think of the name name of it uh, off the top of my head. Um, 
but it, it was following where where we got to today with um, the gender lines being blurred. Now there's 56 yeah. different genders and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, all this confusion in this attack. Well, Sigmund Freud, who, you know, believed everything was pretty much about sex, said that uh, mankind is going to be sexually repressed because if he carried out his intuitions, it would bring down the order of human government, that human government has to oppress sexuality. So you can't act out in however you want. So you're repressed, right? You're held back by government. And so Karl Marx believed that if you wanted to change society, that you have a sexual revolution. And the uh, enemy, number one, numero uno of communism, is the home and yeah. is the family. Right. Every civilization is from the beginning of time. Every civilization that started to look at these alternate lifestyles has fallen. Mm -hmm. Every civilization that did not keep the family where it needed to be sacred. It, the family is a protective structure and a building block for society. It is. And so the healthier your home is. The healthier your country is. Yes. Healthier your churches are. Yes. And, some churches. and then also a strong family is not going to give all their power away to the government. Exactly. Therefore, you're going to have a conservative government. Yeah. But if you can destroy that building block yeah. and you can incentivize Women leaving their uh, husbands, yeah. husbands leaving their wives, yeah. um, and then also, you know, you you're sterilizing a bunch of children. Yeah, um, you were chiseling away the building block of society. It is. That's true. Mm -hmm. So, rule rule of law is rule very very law. important. Peace through strength. You know, I mean, no one's going to mess with you if you're the biggest baddest dude on the block. Mm -hmm. America always has been, but now we're robbing parts from museum pieces such as aircraft to keep our aircraft running because we're giving money to everything and anything and not keeping our military strong. The Chinese who have said they're our worst enemy, they, they say, they say that they are our enemy. Okay. Uh, we have unfair trade practices with them. They have a missile that can go out of the stratosphere, go around the world and come back in and strike a target within just a few miles. And we're talking about atomic. Uh, and, and we have one too, but we've only tested ours a handful of times. They've tested theirs hundreds of times. Mm. And so again, like Reagan said, and what we need to understand is we have to be strong if we want to keep the peace. Unless we start building our military again, we're going to be in rough shape. We're going to be in... in Horrible, horrible condition. And so I'm thankful at least that when President Trump was in office that he was building up our military, and now it's been knocked down again. And hopefully the next person that becomes the next president of the United States will have, again, that same mindset. We need to build our military up immediately. The next thing is fiscal responsibility. And, of course, what is that? That's the government not getting us into debt. You know, debt is one of the worst things. Debt's immoral. When Absolutely. we want our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren to pay it off. I mean, we're $33 trillion in debt, 33-plus. While we've been sitting here, we've been, go we've been going into debt by the millions during the time that we've been talking together. I mean, a lot of times people don't even get the fact that this man, Joe Biden, in the White House, wanted a $6 trillion Build Back Better bill. $6 trillion. 
Now, most people don't even conceive no. what a trillion is. I'll break it down for the people that are watching. A million, a billion, and a trillion, okay? If you take those three amounts and you convert them into seconds, a million seconds is 12 days. A billion seconds is 31 years. A trillion wow. seconds, so between 12 days, 12 days and 31 years, mm -hmm. between a million and a billion, okay? A trillion is 31,688 years. Now, that is mind-boggling. Mm -hmm. And there was only one man that stood against that $6 trillion Build Back Better bill, and that was Joe Manchin. Manchin. If it wasn't for him, we would have been plunged into a depression that we have never, ever gotten out of, aside from God's grace, mercy, and miraculous hand of intervention. But thankfully, there was one yeah. person that God raised up that said, no, this is just ridiculous. So where does all this debt lead? Do you have any idea or you know any smart people who know? Well, <laughs> you know, here's the thing. We're in great jeopardy of losing the world reserve currency status. And most people don't even know that term. But the world reserve currency status belongs to the United States. That means when we buy oil anywhere, we buy oil with American Federal Reserve notes. Any other nation has to buy our money and then buy their oil. That's why over in England, it's not sold by the gallon, it's sold by the liter. Okay? If we lose the world reserve currency status to the Chinese, let's say, and that's who we would lose it to, mm -hmm. we will see gas go from two, three, four dollars to ten, twelve dollars overnight, just like that. Now, that will happen if the rubber band snaps. That's one reason why. Representative Matt Gates started the ball rolling to get Kevin McCarthy out because he was doing this continuing resolution, kicking the can down the road, and he had told them he was not going to allow this to happen. But he did. And now we have a man by the name of Mike Johnson that is talking about fiscal responsibility. He said, we've got to get this thing in order immediately. And he's already working on it. I mean, even under President Trump, we had deficit spending. Sure. I mean, a lot. George W. was terrible. Obama oh. was terrible. Do you think there's a possibility of ever yes, not I having do. deficit spending? I, yes, I do. And this is why. Looking into history, our nation was bankrupt after the War for Independence. Bankrupt. I mean, we were flat busted, broke. We sold what was called the continental dollar. And the saying was, it's not worth a continental because <laughs> there's nothing. I mean, it was just mm -hmm. a piece of paper. And our founding fathers never wanted us to print paper again. They always wanted to do coins in gold, silver, nickel, and copper. That was it. That's the only thing they, I mean, you can't find the dollar bill in the Constitution. It's not there. It's all coinage. Mm -hmm. So, Getting back to what happened after the Constitution. The Constitution came and things started to roll again. They prayed, God, use these truths that we've put into this document, these 20-plus biblical principles, and bless our nation. They prayed mm -hmm. and asked God to do that, mm -hmm. fasted and prayed. Mm -hmm. The men that were taking these ideas and putting them together. As Ben Franklin said, we've looked at all the governments in the world. None of them suit our needs. We've looked past, present. None of them suit our needs. And, and he was chiding with the men. Mm -hmm. 
Ben Franklin saying, mm-hmm. uh, look, I was here about a decade ago, and our backs were against the wall, and we basically went to God in prayer. Do we think we no longer need our faithful friend? Do you think that he won't see a sparrow fall and allow an empire to raise without his aid? We do no better than the builders of Babel. I implore you, before we go to deliberation, we go to prayer. And that was five weeks into the Constitutional Convention where they had done nothing but argue, and, <laughs> and uh, they were about to walk out. Yeah. And they adjourned for three days. Men prayed and fasted and said, Lord. It, it, yeah, it's so amazing that Benjamin Franklin was the one to suggest that, too. Yeah. He was in his 80s which is a medical miracle in those days because yeah. back in those days, the 75 in those days was 35. By the time you were 25, you were on your way to the grave yeah. as, as a man. Yeah. And so 80 was like, you know, 120. Right. You know, still clicking on all eight, at least mentally. He had to gout very badly. But so uh, they did that. They came back and it was a completely different attitude. And they started rolling again on constitutionality and uh, all about. And, and so they came out with the Constitution. And James Madison said, when the old man came up, talking about Ben Franklin, when the old man came up to sign the document, he wept. And he said, pointing to the chair that George Washington was sitting in, that had a son that was, he said, I, di- I didn't know if that son was rising or setting in our nation. I'm so thankful to know it was rising. And they gave us the Constitution of the United States. Washington wrote to one of his good friends, Benjamin Rush, and he said, this was just a few years after the Constitution, he said, if I had told you, you had told me, that we would be so financially powerful just a few years after the Constitution, I would have called you a madman, and you would have called me one. What he was saying was God Hmm. is still the God of the miracle. And he blesses his principles in miraculous ways. Now, from that, I truly believe that we could get back beyond deficit spending. I truly believe it. Mm -hmm. If we just look to the past to see what has worked Mm -hmm. and look to the past, not just in legal aspects, but in prayer, coupling it with the principles of God in government. And so fiscal responsibility, free markets is the sixth out of the seven free markets is simply the sacred law of property ownership. You know, I was in a white house briefing a while back and, and they were saying, well, what about, you know, healthcare and which we do about healthcare and Obamacare and, and socialized medicine. And, And no one said anything. So I, I said, well, let me just tell you. And I introduced myself. I said, the free market system, free enterprise has given us the greatest economy in the world. It has also given us the greatest medical Mm -hmm. attention in the world. People come from all over the world to the United States. Why? Because we have the best and the brightest. We have the, so you want to do something for our medical community, for our medical coverage, privatize everything over state lines. Let doctors compete with doctors. And if you want to regulate anything as a government, then regulate big pharma and get its rates way down because it's an exorbitant mm-hmm. and you know completely imaginary price that they're trying to put out to the people to make money, money, money. And that's what happened, in my opinion, with COVID-19. But that's oh, another yeah. story. So, yep. you know. And billions and billions. Oh, yeah. 
Well, the next day I turned on the news and there was someone very notable because I said in that White House briefing, you know, here's the problem. We think socialism is going to work in America where it's never worked any time in history anywhere in the world. And Einstein said something very important. He said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that guy said on Fox News the next day. I said, well, at least I'm glad someone was listening. <laughs> yeah, that's not you gave him, you gave him uh, yeah. something to say. Yeah, but it's all biblical, you know, Ecclesiastes. Right. Yeah, you put these biblical principles into practice. Yeah. And um, you try the same thing over again because the people imagine a vain thing. They think they that, they, that they can change human nature or something, but human nature is human nature, and there's undying laws that God has made that are true in every generation. Um, but with the free markets, there seems to be, um, in recent years, just nefarious corporations in bed with the left, which you corporations were always Republican before. It seems like predominantly uh, these billionaires, which are like, they're like oligarchs, yeah. are very anti Free speech, very pro-left, leftist agenda, not pro-family values. Is there any way to explain that? I think the thing that explains that, I, don't, I wouldn't call it a phenomenon. These corporations, you know, married to the woke ideas. Yeah, I, again. Which are leftist and communist. Again, you know, we're always told that, you know, Republicans are always for the big corporations. The Democrats are for the little guys. Right. I couldn't think that that's farther from the truth. Right. And that here's the, that the Democrats, when they're in office and in power, billionaires are making more billions. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, a big, the middle class is, is attacked. Yeah. Um, but now you have these, like these big corporations and big pharma. I remember Democrats back in 2000 were um, anti big corporations. Yeah. They were anti-Big Pharma. Right. They were very against Wall Street. Yep. And it seems like now it's switched. Yeah. A couple things that I think explains that. Number one is that nefarious uh, business transactions that are below the table that are not legal. So we don't have legality entering into the marketplace. We have insider trading. And by the way, that's even in the highest levels of government. Absolutely. And so that's the well, that's the number one thing that they've gotten the that money. So, so, so for instance, Nancy Pelosi would have had to have been in Congress for about a thousand years to yeah, yeah. be as rich as she is today. John Adams just, said just off her salary. Exactly. John yeah. Adams said anyone that comes out of public life richer than they went in is a crook. Mm-hmm. God says, not money. But the love of money is the root of all evil. God says, if a man works, okay, then the fruit of his labor, that's my gift Mm -hmm. to him. Now, that's not verbatim, but that's what the concept is. You work hard, and you work honest, and the fruit of your labor, now some people can become very wealthy, but when they start cutting the corners... The love of money. What part of that don't we understand is the root of all evil. So it's a love of money that has made corporations now woke and, and they're blind. They're they're like they're like, in my opinion, when God blinded 
the men of Sodom, mm-hmm. and they still were looking for, they wearied themselves looking for the yeah, door. looking for the door. Is blind fury. They want money. They want more money. They love money. They love the prestige. They love the power of money. And that is the problem. Free market system is making... Is it pitting big corporations against small businesses? Is that the idea that um, through regulation and this and only the big corporations can survive? it's, It's really the government that's getting the kickbacks, in my opinion. Okay. Not all the government, mm-hmm. but a lot of it. The lobbyists that are they're giving the money to the government, okay? And then the government is limiting and persecuting the smaller business, putting them out of business mm-hmm. to make the big government even, I mean, the big corporations even more powerful, powerful. so they can get more money. In my opinion, that's exactly what's going on. In fact, if you, if today, if we would go to the Library of Congress, you can see that in murals that have been there since the 1800s where lobbyists are handing money to a figure that represents the government and, and here's this person here that's a, a laborer that's trying to, and, and, and that's the beginning of corruption. So, so with the principle of free markets, um, you know, if a president came to the forefront, I'm no economist, but should there be at this point some sort of trust busting like back, you know, in Teddy Roosevelt's day? You know, you, you have certain corporations that just rule. Yeah. And, so, and it should go even further than that. It's not so much trust corporations. It is government getting the government squared away again and removing those laws that persecute the smaller business and let the bigger business just run wild again because of, you know. And, I mean, the first time the word lobbyist was used was uh, at a hotel in Washington, D.C., under Teddy Roosevelt's tenure, and it's uh, it's still there. The, the, the hotel's still there. And, and they were meeting the men in the lobby, trying to get them to give them a little break or pass legislation that would persecute this particular business and, and favor theirs, you mm-hmm. know? And, uh, and so it's, it started way back, sure, but has, I mean, completely eroded what the free market system I agree can too. be. But then you got uh, these big corporations in bed with big government. Yeah. So you have during, um, you know, COVID, we completely lost free speech in my opinion yes. in this country. Yes. And then, you know, uh, the government telling Twitter who, you know, who to take off of social media. I there mean, they deep platformed a sitting president. Yeah. Like my president could yeah. not communicate with me. Yeah. Now that's scary. That's very scary. That's the beginning of tyranny. <laughs> so, so we should um, all be very so with, scared. So with the free market idea, I think to free up the market, I mean, just in my opinion, and again, I'm no economist and, uh, you know, so my opinion is worth what you paid for it. <laughs> but somebody needs to, like, break up these social media corporations, break up Apple, um, you know, a lot of different, because you can't have that powerful of an entity inside your government. Yeah, it's all legislation that favors them. Yes. And so you don't even really have to touch them. All you got to do is just take care of the legislation and say, no, we're going back to square one. We're leveling the playing field again. Mm-hmm. And like Trump said, you know what Trump said, right? He said, uh, lobbyists, go home. Yeah. For oh, the next yeah. four well, years. He, 
he was oh and with he was that the best on that with that with that one thing saying lobbyists go home guess what we had the largest exodus of congress people in the history of our country because they said well if we can't make the money we we were going to plan on making here then we'll need to go back to the private sector they had the largest exodus from congress in our nation's history aside from like you know Civil War, where you know yeah. they were, you know, there a large portion left because of South versus North type of thing. But, yeah, you know, and, and it all comes down to number seven, and that's human dignity, the dignity of the human mm-hmm. that is basically created in the image of God. Image of God, and and human dignity is what needs to again take place in our country. The dignity of doing simply what's right. Mm-hmm. Not what I can get away with. Not what, just because someone passes a law doesn't mean it's right. Yes, and what's important is not the ideal, the idea, um, the, your philosophy. What's important is the individual human being. Exactly. Um, because you, you have some big social movement that wants to. Uh, we just had, um, right here in our town, town of Webster, there was a young lady who went and spoke at the school board. She's 13 years old, and she yeah. was speaking out against the transgender uh, bathroom. She, you know, she didn't want boys coming in there. Um, just this last week, she got attacked by that boy, and then also that boy's parents, and um, yeah, just viciously attacked on school property. The police said, uh, "Well, this was a school." Um, there's a school fight. There's there's nothing that we can do. Yeah. Um, Imagine if it had been reversed. Oh man, what if somebody yeah beat up a transgender student? Yeah. Which yeah. I'm totally against beating up anybody. So am I. It it would have been marching in the streets. Oh yeah. Um, but we see that if a certain side is violent. Yep. Well, it's they're okay. the oppressed ones. Yeah, they're the oppressed. So you know, yeah, it's uh, it's a cop out. Yeah, so individual, not to, human uh, dignity. Not to, at the risk of sounding punny, it's a cop-out. <laughs> yes, yes, that is, that is. <laughs> hey, tell us about your radio show. Oh, the radio show uh, is great. Um, on Wednesday, every Wednesday, uh, at, uh, in fact, let me just uh, show this card here. So live, Washington, D.C., Gospel Radio Network. It's at one thirty on Wednesday. There's the placard right there if you want to look at that but you can listen to this uh, on the internet gospel radio network and uh, i just do basically a uh, uh, update from washington dc and a lot of times i'm getting out of some very high level meetings Mm -hmm. there are certain things that i can share certain things that i can't share but i'll Mm -hmm. guarantee you what i share is right from the horse's mouth it's not you know any kind of a, a sensationalism it's no spin it's just simply what i have received from the people that are making history and so grn.brnapps.com. And uh, again, if you want to just look at that, there it is there. And then there's another radio station called KOLU. And uh, that's every Friday. This is every Wednesday at 1.30. Mm-hmm. Okay, KOLU that uh, generates uh, and uh, broadcasts from Pasco uh, to about a million people. KOLU. And that's every Friday at 12.30. This is for a half an hour. This one on Wednesdays for half an hour. Mm-hmm. That one from Pasco is an hour. 
and we just talk about things much like we're doing here. And I try it, to educate it is, people. It's on Friday. Is it live? It's live. Yeah. On Fridays. Live radio. Yeah. Both both live radio. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. yeah. And then our website, missiontoamerica.us. And uh, that's 100. It shows you 100 documents that made America. So there's a lot of moments for America that I've recorded that just give you like snippets about our nation's history, about our heritage, about concepts, constitutional concepts to hopefully whet the appetite for people mm-hmm. to study a little bit more. And uh, then there's you have a book list there too. Book list, a recommended Recommend. reading list, and we have a link to all these Christian websites because uh, I would much rather read my news than watch someone are mm-hmm. uh, all jacked up saying, "Well, you know, the sky is <laughs> falling." You know, no, it's mm-hmm. not falling, Mister Chicken Little. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. but when you read the news and you read the news from a variety of sources, one of my very favorites is Epoch Times. Okay. We would call it Epic, but mm-hmm. they pronounce it Epoch, Epoch Times, and you can do it through a magazine. In fact, the the uh, hotel that I'm staying at has Epoch Times newspaper. Wow. I've never seen that before. Wow. I'm thinking, that's, that's a, weird. That is a That good, is really that, strange. I know. For and, New York State, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a great, I yeah. said, you know, man, this is my this is my hotel every time I come now. I think you're in the panhandle of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't even yeah. see it there, you know. But, uh, but it's excellent because... It was started by underground Chinese Christians. Yeah. And now it's here in America, and it's one of the very, very best. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, those are some things that I would recommend because we need to be reading. We need to be understanding. Are you you still watching Newsmax? I am. Okay. To a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. And is that an app that you get, or you watch it on YouTube? I I watch it uh, on kind of like a network. Okay. Yeah, so I can get it on a network. It's like a streaming type of thing. And so I'll watch that, you know, and it's, and that's, and that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, there's some things that they get off on, but it's uh, a whole lot better than some of the other quote unquote uh, conservative stations. And, um, but you know, the Bible says that we need to have an understanding of the times. Yes. That, that's in Chronicles, the book mm-hmm. of Chronicles. Uh, the, the children of Issachar had an understanding of the times because of that, they knew what Israel ought to do. Yeah. And so there were many of them, but all of their brethren were at their commandment. And that's what we need to yeah, be. Yeah, it's the old, uh, old saying, yeah. you, you have uh, the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. Yeah. 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 Or the Bible in one hand the Constitution in the other. There you go. That's even better. Yeah. Yeah, because those are the standards. Like we've been talking, those are the two standards. And then the newspaper, you know, a newspaper is uh, just kind of that, that thing. As soon as the ink hits the page, it's out it's, of date. It's out of date. <laughs> it's not worth anything the next day. <laughs> yeah. You just uh, you leave it there for your parrot, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing better than yesterday's newspaper. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Now yeah. it's for training puppy dogs and uh, for parrots. Yeah. After yeah. Uh, after one day. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that, isn't that something? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Wow. Well, all right. Well, thank you, Brother Harding, for yeah. the whole day. Thank you, Brother Young. If you want to hear some good preaching, go to my L. No, I'm sorry, lbbc.info. That is our website. Um, and we just got a, a new app hey, for our church, hey so man. we're excited about that. Well, that's very impressive. Lighthouse Bible Baptist Church app. Wow. Yeah. That's we're, amazing. We're very cutting edge here. Yeah, you are cutting edge. Yeah. And I'm so you can go there. You can get the on, <laughs> go to your light, Lighthouse uh, app. Amen. And listen to Brother Harding. Great sermon this morning. Oh, praise man. the Lord. Man. Well, in, in this afternoon, there were seven points. And um, do more in 2024. Do more in 24. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was good. Praise that was Lord. good. Well, all right. Thank well, you thanks again, young. my brother. Yes, sir. We'll, we'll, we'll catch you next time. Okay. If I'm number four episode, that'll be in this October. 
Yeah. We'll be doing some salmon fishing. Ooh. And like but it. we'll we'll fit in a podcast for sure. Definitely. Look forward to it. All right. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much for listening today to the Pastoral Thoughts Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you can, leave us a five-star rating on your podcast app. We'd appreciate that very much. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by emailing us at pastoralthoughtsmail at gmail.com. And you can find out more about us at pastorjack.org. God bless you and have a wonderful day.